Hello, my beautiful community. I'm so excited to let you know my brand new recipe book, Hustler's Guide to Healthy, is now available. Yay! This feels so surreal to be telling you. Um, It is 32 healthy recipes, all designed to nourish your body. I've actually been creating these recipes for the last six years, and we've been enjoying them as a family for our weekly meals. And now I'm so excited to be able to share them with you. I really wanted to take the hustle out of healthy cooking and give you fuss-free, easy and delicious recipes designed to nourish yours and your family's bodies. All of my recipes, of course, use whole real ingredients that will help you thrive. They're also mostly fuss-free and most importantly, I've made them good for the soul. So not only are they tasty and delicious, but they're super good for you. From breakfast right through to dessert, each recipe is packed with goodness and is proudly family friendly. I have a very exclusive offer only available to you, my wonderful podcast community. I'm actually going to give you 25% off. Yes, that's right. I'm giving you 25% off my new recipe book, which makes the book less than $22.50. That is like a total bargain. But you truly are the reason why I keep showing up and I keep wanting to inspire more healthy lives. So this is my way of saying thank you to you. Also, if you purchase now, you'll receive five free recipes, which will be sent via email on downloadable recipe cards. So the book has been printed locally and it uses eco-friendly paper and carbon neutral inks to support local and also our beautiful environment. My hope is that these easy, healthy and wholesome recipes help nourish your body and make you feel like an absolute boss in the kitchen. You can purchase your copy now by either visiting my website, which is just healthyhustlers.com, or I've provided a link in the show notes. So you can literally just click the link in the show notes and it'll take you direct to my website. Then please use the code HUSTLER25. I've written it in the show notes under the link, so you'll be able to see it if you forget, but use the code HUSTLER25 to redeem your 25% off the book, which makes it less than $22.50. I hope that you absolutely love this. I'm so excited to get in the kitchen with you and help you make some healthy and delicious food. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with influential hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. Today's soulful conversation is one I've been manifesting for quite some time. Have you ever felt completely drawn to someone's energy and words through your screen? Well, that's exactly how I feel about today's guest, Denny Totorovich. An activist, queer educator and digital content creator, Denny identifies as non-binary and gay with the pronouns they, them. Growing up in a small regional city in Victoria in an ethnic family, Denny grew up with a keen eye and love for fashion. In their early 20s, Denny made the move from regional Victoria to Sydney to expand their opportunities in the fashion industry. Working at Cosmopolitan magazine, it was during this time that Denny had embarked on a 12-year-long journey of self-discovery. Knowing they didn't identify with the gender binary of man or woman from an early age, it wasn't until early 2020 that Denny truly resonated with and learnt more about non-binary an identity that would allow them to authentically and gracefully live between the gender binary of man and woman. Referred to by Body Shop as a leading light, Denny has lived their life breaking down the barriers around gender and sexuality. Stepping into their true power and authenticity has allowed Denny to create a safe and loving environment where they can now empower and inspire others to live from a place of true self-expression, love and truth. I'd love you to please share this episode with your family and friends after listening. And together, let's continue the conversation and be part of the positive change this world so desperately needs. Pure Harvest range of nutty oat milks are now available at Woolworths Australia wide. Available in three dairy-free flavours, Nut Bliss, Lush Almond and Macadamia Dream, you'll never have to worry about having ordinary milk again. With no added sugars, preservatives or flavours, Pure Harvest range of non-milks use whole organic ingredients that make beverages that taste great and most importantly make you feel good. 
now available at your local Woolworths and leading independent supermarkets and health food stores Australia-wide. Hello, Denny, and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. I am seriously so excited to talk to you today. Like, I feel like I've been manifesting this conversation for quite a while now. So it's a true honor to have you here with me. So thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Oh, I'm really well. Thank you. That's such a delight. It's, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you. No, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And yeah, I've been following you online for quite a few years now and just seeing your evolution and how quickly you've grown has been so amazing. And I just love seeing you, you know, more and more stepping into your true self. It's just been mm. such a beautiful thing to watch. So well, that's really um, sweet. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to chat. So I guess I do start every episode in the same way. And given the nature of the show, Healthy Hustlers, I really like to find out a ritual or maybe a healthy habit that you might have that's really helping to keep you in a really positive mindset or, you know, keep your health on track at the moment. Um, So I guess it's a combination of things for me. So I train three times a week with a trainer. Um, at the moment, we've been doing it on Zoom throughout most of lockdown. <laughs> that I find whenever I do any kind of exercise in the morning, I find it just sets me up for such a better day. Like I don't sleep in. I feel quite positive. And, you know, I, I find that after I do an exercise, I'll be like making my breakfast with like music on and sort of dance in the kitchen. Whereas when I, on my off days, so like this morning I didn't train, um, I will sort of sleep in a little bit more than usual and sort of Mm. scroll my phone a little bit more than I would normally in the morning. So exercise really helps me a lot. And then I used to have a pretty strict meditation routine. So I'm an Aries, so I'm very all or nothing, Madeline. So I used to meditate like every day religiously for like about, I don't know, 14 months or something like that. And then I found that from the start of this year, when we started going back into these like snap lockdowns, I just became so fatigued. So now I meditate when I feel sort of like called to meditate. So like yesterday I had a really beautiful meditation in the morning. So it's kind of just exercise and trying to be as mindful as possible. Mm. Um, But it could be honestly as simple as like listening to music while I'm in the shower, just to try to elevate my mood and my spirits a little bit. You know, I, I find that you have to kind of be, a little bit gracious with yourself because I get really down on myself if I feel like I'm not meditating enough or not exercising enough. So it's just about having a balance, which is something that is a daily struggle for me to be completely honest. Oh no, I feel you there so much. And isn't it so hard when you know that something, I guess like you were saying with um, your exercise, like, you know, something serves you so well, Mm. but sometimes it's like, you just still don't do it. Like I'm a bit the same. I know I love getting up, setting my intentions and doing 10 minutes of stretching to a meditation. And like all that requires is for me to hop out of bed 15 minutes before my daughter, which is so achievable. And I know how good I feel when I do it. But there's so many mornings where I'm like, oh, but this bed's so warm. Oh, I I don't need to get up today. But it's just like that snowball, you know, it's everything else does come into play then. So yeah, it's funny as humans that we know what's good for us, but sometimes we're just not not always good at, good at doing it. Yeah. And so when you talk about meditation, do you like to do a guided meditation or do you have, what, what type of meditation do you practice? Really depends. So last year I signed up to an amazing program by my healer slash Reiki healer slash psychologist. Her name is Elise Condon. Um, she's a Geelong human and you can follow her at Elise Reiki, E-L-I-S-E. Um, so Elise has this program called The Practice. And in The Practice, she does like, you know, new moon and full moon webinars. And then she, you also have access to her like practice portal, which has a bunch of guided meditations, which are amazing. And also the meditations that she has on um, The Practice are like, they range from like five minutes to 20 minutes. So you can kind mm. of pick your poison. Awesome. Um, But in saying that, lately I've found that for me, meditating can literally just mean sitting with my thoughts for five minutes and then pulling some cards. I've got um, a few different cards that I use and then like a little bit of journaling. Love it. Oh my goodness. That we I knew I was I knew I was drawn to you for a reason. <laughs> so good. Can I ask what cards you use? Because I know there'll be questions about that. Everyone's really interested in that. So at the moment I'm using these surrender cards, which are actually 
um, Elise designed them and she sells them on her store, on her, um, on her website. And then I also have these amazing Oracle cards from a shop called Our Satellite Hearts in Geelong. Oh, yes. um, so it, they're called the Divine Feminine Oracle cards. Mm-hmm. So the first time I saw Elise was just before the pandemic. So like mm-hmm. Feb last year, or maybe it was Jan even. And Elise saw an energy in me that I couldn't even say out. I hadn't even said out loud yet. So she could see my like gender identity essentially when I sat in front of her and um, we didn't touch on it too much, but at the end of our session, she said, I would love you to get these cards um, from our satellite hearts. They're, They're called the divine feminine cards. And she said, you have some of the most divine feminine energy I've ever seen in any of my clients, even more so than my, you know, cis female clients. Um, I think you really need to harness that energy. So I've had them ever since and they're amazing. So you, you wow. pull a card each morning and there will be like a goddess or some kind of, you know, divine feminine figure from history and sort of dates back to like medieval, also like um, Egyptian and um, Greek mythology and, you know, just very like Mother Mary. There's like a whole bunch of them. And then there's a book that tells you a little description for each of those like women um, and these kind of goddesses, and then you sort of take their power and their courage, like, into your day and their sort of lessons into your day. So the, I love those. They're great. Wow. I just love how when you are in tune with a deck of cards, how mm. powerful they really are, isn't it? It is so wild. And I really love that you have spoken about Elise and the impact that that's had on you because I think, you know, especially in times like now more than ever, you know, having those people around us and those yeah. tools is so, so important. It's so um, important. Yeah, it really is. And I've heard so much amazing things about um, Elise's work. I've actually got a few friends that work with her and they all rave about her she's the best when you when you first discover her and you'll you'll start to hear her name pop up everywhere it's like when one person says Elise then everyone then you'll start to hear her name a lot and she's worth the nine month waiting list like I've I've never worked with anyone quite like her to be honest and I think that's why I never really feel comfortable just calling her like a psychic because she's Mm. so much she's so much more than that she has multiple degrees in psychology and trauma, um, healing and yeah. And, but then of course she's gifted with this like divine gift of like this spiritual medium, you know, very kind of magical witch vibes, you know? And yeah, she, I've been working with her very consistently actually for the last year and a half. We do, um, this thing called EMDR healing, which is amazing. EMDR therapy, which is kind of like hypnosis, but um, okay. it's with rapid eye movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do just like general energy cleansing because it's, it's such a heavy time energetically at the moment. Yeah. So you've got to really, we talk a lot about like energetic hygiene mm-hmm. and sort of trying to keep that in check, which is a really weird thing to think about. But energy is so strong and it can be so overwhelming if you don't take care of your own energy properly and if you don't preserve your energy properly. Yes, definitely. And so what does that kind of process look like for you at the moment? So interesting. Until I met Elise, I always knew that I was different in terms of when I was little, for example, something would happen like a a major world event, or I would go into the supermarket with my mom and I would see maybe a homeless person out the front of the supermarket, or, you know, I turn the news on and I would see something happening on the other side of the world. And my heart would just ache Mm. and it would consume me, Mm. but I just thought everyone felt like that. And then when I started um, working with Elise, we really delved into what it means to be an empath and, and really truly, because, you know, I think that word has become quite a buzzword, but yes, I feel it in my bones so much that I just take on people's energies. And ever since I was 19, when I first started going to see psychics, they would always say to me, you know, you're a little bit psychic, Denny, like you need to start harnessing that power that you have. And I've always had this like sixth sense, but I I just, again, I just thought it was something that everyone had. Mm. So for me, especially now with my work, you know, it can be as simple and mundane as the plethora of DMs I get daily, those DMs are actually an exchange of energy because there's kind of three categories of DMs that I normally get. And one category is very much um, deeply emotional, you know, mothers of trans children, trans people, queer people, people of colour, 
people who struggle with self-love. And so their messages are really, they're beautiful. I love them and I, I don't ever want to stop receiving them. But they can be quite energetically taxing if you're an empath because you kind of, you read this message and you go, oh my gosh. And without realizing that that's an exchange of energies. So I've started to do some things um, with Elisa's help that just sort of help me clear my energy on a daily basis. And I have various like practices and sprays and whether it's like smudging and, you know, lots of different things, but it can be as simple as just like having a shower Mm -hmm. and like sitting, standing under the shower and just like clearing yourself of the energy that's in you and actually being really mindful of that. That's one that almost everyone can take on. The, the shower. It's almost yeah. it's like a mini meditation in the shower. It is. Washing yeah. it all out. And it's so powerful, especially for people that are extremely busy or, if, you know, mom, working mums, all of that. Mm. Like I always say to them that that's kind of one of the, the quickest and easiest ways you can do it without, you know, having to go and get your your sage and all of that sort totally. of stuff to, to cleanse. Um, so I'm really glad you shared, shared that one. But, yeah, it's, a, it's such an interesting topic and it's something that I'm getting so – more and more passionate about, I guess, because I'm learning more about my own energy and what I can take on. And I think also, yeah, a little bit like you, when you are in in a digital world, you take on so many people's kind of opinions and thoughts and views and their messages without almost even realizing 100%. what that's doing to you. So yeah, I love that you have such a conscious and beautiful process around, around that now. I love that we just got straight into that as well. I know. Well. <laughs> like, 12, I love it. This 12 minutes of energy. Let's talk about it. I, I love this shit. So like, this, good. Is, this is my favorite kind of conversation. I love conversations <laughs> that go deep quickly. Like, I know. So know, do I. It's yeah, so it's funny. As soon as you started talking about it, I was like, okay, we are so on par. <laughs> it's so good. Angel cards, everything. It's my thing. Um, you know, but I, yeah, I, I really think the energy, it's something that so many of us are not aware of as well, of how Correct. much we're allowing other people and situations to drain our energy. So mm-hmm. yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else you do you know, outside of that, is there books you've read or anything that's mm. really helped you on your own spiritual journey and kind of getting to this point of awareness? I know you mentioned books, but for me, what's really interesting is that, so words of affirmation are my love language. So oh. I, I love reading books, right? I love, I love reading. I love writing. Words are my jam. However, being time poor or mm. actually, no, that's a, that's a really shitty excuse. It's me not making time to read. I find that the podcast medium is a really great way for me to get my my words of affirmation via someone that I really love. So my guide, my spirit guide for my whole life is Oprah Winfrey. And every Sunday I run a bath and I listen to her Super Soul Conversations podcast episode. And Oprah will never know, or maybe one day I'll get to tell her. She will know. The the amounts of dark... dark holes, dark places, really traumatic times um, that she has pulled me out of with her words and her wisdom. And this has actually been like since I was little. I used to call in sick from school just so I could stay home and watch Oprah. So it's the obsession is real. And her words and the way that she shares the knowledge of others, Oprah is so selfless. It's not her podcast isn't just like, listen to me, listen to me, I'm the best. You know, even though that's very well something she could do, she shares constantly her own mentors, her spirit guides, whether it's authors that she loves, books that she's read. So that podcast really gets me through a lot. And I've recently started reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. So I'm like a quarter of the way through and I'm literally reading it with a highlighter because there's just so many things in that book that I'm like, yes, 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 I resonate with this so deeply so Oprah is my go-to. Glennon might be part of the new pack. And I also love Brene Brown. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love that you love Oprah. And as soon as you said that, I was like, there is no doubt in my mind that you are going to be on stage with Oprah uh-huh. at some point. Like, honestly, I seriously, <laughs> as soon I'm like, of course you love Oprah. And of course you're going to be on stage. Like it was just this like, uh-huh. <laughs> and no, I really mean that. And I think that I really understand what you mean too when you have that spiritual teacher or leader Mm. that has such a profound impact on your life. You know, I know my audience will all know I talk about Gabby Bernstein um, all of the time. Yeah, yeah, she's incredible. And, you know, from my end as well, it's just like 
when something resonates so deeply with mm. you, it literally can change your life and your views forever. So I love that Oprah's had that impact on you. Yeah. And Untamed is incredible. Have Do you, you know read what it? I- Yes, I have. Yeah. I've actually read it a few times now. Okay. And I think the thing I love about it is that you can, like now sometimes I'll just go to bed and just open it and just mm. read whatever. Yeah, the format is brilliant. Yeah, it is, I, isn't it? Yeah, I was really shocked by that because everyone I know has been talking about it. And then I started reading it and I was like, oh, this is really cool. They're just like these little passages. It's really quick to get through. Mm-hmm. I'm up to part three, which is I think freedom. Oh, um, yes. But part three is the biggest section of the book. So I'm up to part three and it's just incredible and you're right you could literally just open you could almost use it like angel cards like just open Definitely. it and see where you land you know it's interesting because I feel like now every time I'm reading it it's almost like I'm understanding it from a different angle mm. because I've I that first read was like oh wow I resonate so deeply with that and then the second read was like oh my goodness like I almost understood it on another level and now it's just like yeah these pops of inspiration I that almost that. give you some comfort in knowing that you're not alone in your thoughts and that mm. you are, you can be so in control. And as a society, we've been so accustomed to living a certain way and to thinking a certain way. And I think to really have to question yourself about, is this just a conditioning, you know, is, yeah, pretty damn powerful, I, know, I think. So, amazing. yeah, I love that you're, you're loving it. Now, I would though love to get, I guess, for anyone who isn't familiar with your journey or your story, I'd love to get a little sneak peek into you, Denny. Tell us a little bit sure. more about you. <laughs> so, um, my name is Denny. You've probably figured that out by now. We're 17 minutes in. Um, <laughs> I use they, them pronouns. I'm 33. I identify as non-binary is my gender identity and queer is my sexual orientation. I am born and bred in Geelong. I've spent most of my 20s abroad, so either interstate or internationally, but, you know, grew up here and have moved back here like three years ago. Um, I'm the child of like immigrant um, parents. My parents are from Serbia originally and our ancestry kind of stems through Romania and India, which we just recently found out. Um, mm-hmm. So very much that kind of ethnic, small town. I say small town. Geelong's actually not that small. But when I was growing up in Geelong, it really felt like a very small mm. town, very kind of hyper-masculine, very football-orientated, but really beautiful. I, I would never have chosen to grow up anywhere else. I love Geelong so much. Mm. Um, and then from a very early age, I always had – an inclination, I guess, and a eye for fashion. And more so than fashion, I'm just really, I was always very visual. So uh, I grew up in a environment that was very, very much one that celebrated expression and fashion and glamour. I, my cousins were dressmakers. My mum loves fashion and beauty. Um, my dad even, you know, like my whole family, ethnic people are very, take a lot of pride in the way that they look. So that was always something that was, um, I was exposed to as a child. So when I was in high school, I sort of decided that maybe that was a career trajectory that I would follow. I didn't really think it could be a job until I was in year 10 and we got a course list for um, the Gordon and there was clothing design and production on the course list. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can actually do this for a living. Amazing. So I did that and was just like a very fashion obsessed teenager. <laughs> in the background, the elephant in the room was that I was really struggling with my sexuality. At that point, I didn't really um, have any knowledge or language to articulate what I felt in terms of my gender. But certainly I knew that I was gay from about the age of four I um, also grew up in a very, very religious family. So that very much tamed me, to quote mm. Lennon, and <laughs> caged me in a way because I I was going to church three times a week and listening constantly that the way I felt was against God and it was sinful and all of that. So that was kind of the early years. And then when I was 19, so after high school, I went to Paris and I studied in Paris and I studied fashion. And when I came back from Paris... I was 19 and when I came back from Paris, I had this existential crisis where I really didn't know where I fit in. Like my friends were all dating, having sex, like hooking up at the club. And I was just not that person. I didn't, I hadn't kissed anyone ever um, up until I was 19. So on my 19th birthday, I kissed a girl for the first time and didn't 
love it so much. And then three weeks later, I kissed a boy for the first time and that changed everything. So I came out to my parents when I was 19. And then that would sort of set me on this course of about a 12-year journey of living in a space of authenticity to a point, like trying Mm -hmm. to navigate what it meant to be a gay man and then also trying to navigate what my career looked like and what what my fashion life would look like. Um, I moved to London when I was 21. I spent two years there. I moved to Sydney when I was 25, spent seven or six years there. So that chapter of my life was really like learning about my sexuality, stepping into all of that at the same time, tirelessly working on my career. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a, a bit of a 12 year journey and, and an amazing journey. Yeah. Wow. As being in a religious family, how did you first share or come out to your parents? You know, how did that play out about your sexuality? Yeah. So we had a couple of false starts. So when I was 14, my parents read my diary, God bless them. And I kept, as I said, words are my love language. So um, I kept a diary and wrote many things in that diary, among them the fact that I, you know, felt I was gay or thought I might be gay. And they they came from a really beautiful place in that they just, I think were really scared and cautious and Mm -hmm. probably said some things that now in retrospect, they shouldn't have said, but, you know, they said, you know, you're not gay. You just think you are because everyone is calling you that at school. You know, I was bullied like tirelessly because I did fashion and dance at school. You know, my dad said things like, this is just a phase. Like many boys go through this phase, like you'll grow out of it kind of thing. So that was when I was 14, when I was 19 and I, you know, had sex with a boy. It was certainly not a phase. And <laughs> I, telling them was really difficult. And it, I, I didn't necessarily wake up one day and say, I'm coming out today. It actually didn't happen like that at all. After I hooked up with this boy, I couldn't face my parents for about two weeks. So for about two weeks, I really avoided them at all costs. Like we were a family who ate dinner together every night. So for two weeks, I would just like go to a friend's house for dinner, um, go out for dinner. So I was constantly seeing friends. Yeah, um, and also this boy, and I was getting ready to leave one night, and my mum was just like, "Denny, like it's been two weeks, mate. Like, can you please stay home for dinner? Like, why are you ignoring us?" And then I just couldn't look at her, and it was my brother who actually came out for me. I was standing in the kitchen, and I just started sobbing, and he was like, "Denny, are you gay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am." So that's how it started, and then you know, the whole family. My dad came downstairs. He was upstairs sleeping, and we all sat down and we stayed up till about 3am just like talking about it, crying. And I will say that in that moment, our religion didn't really come into play. Like, Mm -hmm. like my mom and dad weren't saying things like, you know, God doesn't love you or God can change you. Nothing like that at all. They were more concerned about my future. You know, my Mm -hmm. mom was like, are you going to ever get married? Are you going to ever have kids? Um, Are you going to get HIV or AIDS as she called it? You know, um, because she grew up in the AIDS epidemic. So it was all of this fear-based emotions, which is very normal for like, especially for ethnic parents and religious people, it's it's quite a normal reaction to have. So, you know, whilst I would have loved them to just start playing Lady Gaga and pull out a rainbow, <laughs> that was just not ever, never going to be my reality. And I don't think that is many people's realities yeah. if they are people of colour and if they do come from a religious environment. I won't lie, like I've always found that question or that story around having to come out as a really strange thing to have to do because Mm. obviously as a straight person you (laughs) don't have to do that. Mm. And something I'm actually so grateful for is that I actually went through primary school and high school with two gay guys. Amazing. they were so different in the respect of, you know, one of them, he was so, what's the right word to describe? Flamboyant? Like, he, yeah, he was flamboyant and mm. he was so outgoing and, you know, he mm. always had pink hair and he was a hairdresser yeah. and, yeah. you know, he had this electric real energy. And the other boy who was a year older than him was the polar opposite, you know, yeah. was just, you know, was always just in black and grey and, not an outgoing person at all. And I think having that from such a young age, mm. for me, 
it was just so normal to, you know, there was no kind of stereotype. And I grew up in a really small town. So I think for a lot of us, that was such a beautiful blessing to Mm. have that from such an early age. But it was so funny when I moved to Melbourne and, you know, was in this, I guess, the rat race of, of, of life. And there was so many different things that I would think, wow, that is so strange. Like people cared about what high school I went to, all of these mm-hmm. things. And, and one thing was this story about being gay and coming out. And I used to think that like, why do you have to sit around a dinner table and tell your parents? Like I find it, you know, and I guess obviously as I got older and was more aware, it's obviously a very common thing. And I guess how society has made it play out. But yeah, it's interesting hearing then even more so from your end with adding that, you know, the ethnic background and I guess a little bit of how you felt when you were younger around the religious side of things and all of these messages from God almost telling you what you're feeling is is wrong. Yeah, I just, you know, my heart really does break for you and and so many children, you know, at that age that have to go through that. I just, I really hope, you know, my daughter's 22 months and I just hope by the time that, yeah, she's a teenager that, I'll probably get emotional. Um, We are just in such a more conscious and loving and nurturing world when it comes to these sort of topics. In an ideal world, children or teenagers or adults, anyone, because, you know, coming out can happen at various points. I've come out twice. That's true. Once as gay, once as non-binary. It can happen at different points in your life. But Ideally, in an ideal world, it would be as simple as just saying, oh, mum, I'm bringing home this person for dinner. Like, well, I like this person. I'm going on a date with this person. The gender will be, like, not important at all. But until we get to that point, which I think will take some time, coming out is this kind of milestone moment in everyone's, every queer person's life. And... I heard this expression recently, which I really liked and I almost preferred where someone said, I think we need to start calling it inviting people in, like inviting in as opposed to coming out because you're inviting people into your true self as opposed to this notion that you need to come out of this closet. Yes. So, but you know, but it, it is this really weird thing that bonds gay people. I mean, anytime you go on a date, any first date, it's one of the first questions you'll ask each other. Whenever you, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, whenever you meet new people, like new gay people, you will eventually get to that conversation. It's a great icebreaker. You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't have anything to talk about with another person and they're gay, it's like, oh, tell me your coming out story. Because every coming out story is unique and individual. And yeah, it's kind of this, it's as beautiful as it can be painful, to be completely honest. Yeah. We'll be right back after this healthy break. I'm very excited to let you know that my favourite nutty oat milks from Pure Harvest Nom Range are now available at Woolworths Australia Wide. I stopped using ordinary milks many years ago and started using delicious nut milks for my coffee, smoothies and soups. Since day one, I've chosen Pure Harvest as their non-dairy milks are free from preservatives and sugars, only containing the best and cleanest ingredients. Pure Harvest's new range of nutty oat milks come in three dairy-free flavours, Nut Bliss, Lush Almond and Macadamia Dream. You'll never have to worry about having ordinary milk again. With no added sugars, preservatives or flavours, Pure Harvest Nom Range use whole organic ingredients to make beverages that taste great and most importantly, make you feel good. Now available at your local Woolworth store and leading independent supermarkets and health food stores Australia-wide. Have you had moments where you've heard stories and you think, oh, wow, that's that's a place I hope we all get to? Yeah. Oh, my God, I've heard stories where it's like literally people don't care. Like so my beautiful. my last partner, he came out to his dad on a golf course and his dad was like, yeah, I, read, I know that. Like, it's all good. Let's go to the next oh, hole or whatever yeah. when you play golf, you know. Um, there have been other people that I know that, you know, have come out to their parents, like, drunkenly at their, like, 17th birthday and the mum <laughs> and the mum will be like, so who cares? I already knew that. Go pick up the rubbish. Like, 
<laughs> you know, and it's so like, and they're kind of, and they're kind of like, wait, I wanted this to be more <laughs> in a, of an event, like because we love drama, so you know. But um, but then I've also heard some really horrible stories where people yeah. are like kicked out of their homes and disowned and never spoken mm. to again. So you know, it's a real spectrum of joy and heartbreak yeah well I'm so glad that you get to hear a lot of the joy ones as well because you do hear a lot of of the bad stories and I guess that that's where sometimes you know I feel so sad is that you know you would have to go through that but it's so beautiful that there are still so many that are so celebrated which I, I absolutely love you know, like I said earlier, I have been following you for, you know, quite a long time now and I'm just, I'm constantly blown away by your authenticity and also just your your passion for really helping to create positive change in our world. What would you say have been some of the building blocks over time to really allow you to start being so authentic and living from a, from a place of truth? So firstly, I think that anyone who tries to foster change or in encourage change those feelings and those qualities are very innate I don't think you can necessarily teach them because there are effective and ineffective ways to try to ignite change and I see this all the time on social media and I think ever since I was little sort of going back to what I said at the start like I've always just had this really deeply kind of empathic nature to really critically think about the things that I see or the things that are happening around me and always. So that side of me, I guess, has always been, that spirit has always been inside of me. It's also something that I see in my family. So my dad is very much that person in our family where he's not so much someone who wants to like ignite change or anything, but he's just like, my dad would give you the shirt off his back. That's how he is. So I learned that sort of those, these acts of selflessness very much from my dad. Um, my mum, on the other hand, I mean, that's another thing. When you come from a family and a community of people where we have many refugees in our community and in our family. So I remember growing up, it was very common for our community at the time. There was maybe like 200, 150 of um, us in, in Geelong to do like um, a door collection of money to send to a family member who was like trying to seek refuge from Serbia to come to Australia. Like that was very normal. That happened like regularly when someone would come from, like would emigrate from Serbia, like 60 of us would all go to the airport to welcome them. (sighs) You know, like it was like a thing. So we very good at banding around each other. You know, is someone sick? Has someone died? You literally jump in the car as a family, you're, you're cooking them dinner, you're fixed. You know, we come from a very big community of support. And I think that there's something very, um, dare I say, primal about that. And I think in ethnic communities, it's just like ingrained in you that you help your neighbour. And I used to see that a lot when I used to go to Serbia as a kid. I would just see the way that they all help each other and they'll just like knock on the door for a cup of sugar. And I was like, wow, I never see this in Australia. This is wild. So I guess all of those things, like witnessing all of those things as a little kid built this like kind of control system in my heart to go, okay, when someone needs help, you help them before they even ask you. They don't need to ask you for help. In fact, like you just help them. And when the world is struggling, there are ways to help. There are things that we can do. So all of those things, building, building, building. And I will also give full credit to my religious upbringing. Mm. You know, as a Christian, you learn that um, you love thy neighbour, you help each other, like Jesus helped everyone, yada, 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 all of that stuff. But it wasn't until last year, until the pandemic, that I truly started to step into, like, activism. And I often say that I'm an accidental activist because it's – a thought system that I've always had in my head, but it's never something that I was made aware of. And I think for a lot of people, the Black Lives Matter movement changed so much and and sort of woke us up. Mm. So that moment last year is as significant, if not more significant to me personally than the pandemic because, and, and actually the two coincided in such a beautiful way, um, if we see the silver linings in that I think the blessing of that movement 
to happen during a global pandemic when people are at home and all they have is time to research and listen and Mm -hmm. learn and share and support all of that stuff. It was kind of life-changing for so many people. And that very much, when I saw how much change we could ignite by simply listening and learning and sharing and speaking and going to a rally and protesting peacefully and all the dots started to connect in my head because I was already doing that in Sydney. I was protesting at the same-sex marriage vote, you know, anytime the queer community were in any kind of trauma or like vitriol from the general community. Like we would think about how we can help as a community, how we can help our siblings. So, but Black Lives Matter was a real light bulb moment for me when I was like, okay, my Instagram is not just going to be, here's how to wear a pencil skirt three ways. Like, no, that's boring. You can find that anywhere. Like that there's more to me than just fashion. And if I use my voice to ignite any kind of change, if it's one person that I can help, and it's not even change, it's like evolve. Cause I don't, mm. you know, I think you can't really change people, yeah. but you can help them evolve the way that they think and the way that they approach life and, and, their place in the world like we all fundamentally have a place in the world I'm going on such a rant now no I love this so much because your content is so thought-provoking that's what I honestly there's not many captions that I actually read and I literally read every single one of yours because it is it's so thought-provoking and it is making change because it's making you know if, if I'm talking personally it it makes me change the way I think. It gives me a fresh perspective. It gives me an insight into, you know, someone else's journey and their views. And it almost is like it just continues to unlock more wisdom in me as well. And you know, you know, I think that's why I've just felt so drawn to you and and wanted to talk to you so deeply because I'm like, every time you write something, it's like it's unlocking something further in me. I think that's what Untamed did to me as well and why I'm so, I love that book so much and what Gabby's work does. But for me, that's creating change because I know that I know that I'm not alone in in that feeling. That means so so yeah, you are absolutely, yeah, creating change. But I love that you were just so aware as well of the impact that you could have that inner knowing of that you could create you know a more positive world without just putting out content like everyone else is and using your platform in such a positive Mm. way I think that's so so incredible and I hope to see more and more of it in the world because I think that that's yeah you know we're we're in a digital world it's not going anywhere you know Instagram's not going anywhere so the more that we're using it from a place of love and a place to share vulnerably, you know, to help others step into their light is, yeah, so important. Firstly, like, thank you. That, Like, it's it means so much to me to hear you say that because it's definitely something that is very, you know, I, I believe in living life with intentions. If you don't, if you're walking through life without any kind of intent, I feel like it's like walking through life with the light switch off. So everything I have has a real intention Everything I do, sorry, has a real intention behind it. Um, It's not something that is just like jumping on a bandwagon Mm. or this week is a perfect example. There is so much going on in the world at the moment and I feel like I need to inform myself and catch up with what's going on before I can just share something to my story Mm. because there's also a lot of misinformation in the world. So everything I do is um, has a great amount of intention behind it but also sometimes it just comes out of pure feelings I I find often the pieces that I write that tend to resonate the most are the pieces that I actually don't think about Mm -hmm. like I will just open up my notepad and write and then I post it and then I just leave my phone away Mm. Um, and then suddenly it's it seems to really resonate with people but to wrap that question up for you there's a song by Beyonce called I Was Here and I love Beyonce and it's a kind of like a, it's not even, it's a, it's a track she wrote for like the like world health organization or maybe like the UN or I don't know, some peace thing. It was, it was to encourage some kind of peace at a time of real, maybe it was hurricane Katrina. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, it was like a charity song and it is one of my favorite Beyonce songs. And the lyrics are very much, they make you go inward and think about, what is going to be your impact when you leave this world? 
when you leave this world, will you have made it a better place than it was, even in the smallest way? And when you leave this world, hopefully you'd like people to remember that you were here and that you did something. And that doesn't actually come from an ego place at all. It's, it comes from a feeling place. Yeah. So for me, it's like if I can make someone feel even remotely better about their identity, like more sure of themselves, make them love themselves more, uh, maybe they're more informed. Maybe it's, it is teaching them how to wear a pencil skirt three ways. You know, feelings aren't linear they're, and they're all valid. So if if I can leave the tiniest footprint on this world, then I'd, I'll be a very happy human. And I think and that's that song really perfectly up encapsulates that for me it's amazing you should listen to it after this i will i'm definitely gonna go that straight away (laughs) um and i think to what you were just saying then it's like we don't have to have a digital platform or a profile to create change like change starts in our home you know like babe yeah like and and people forget that sometimes you know we're so just we can just so go about our life thinking oh well the world's so big and I can't do anything Mm -hmm. and it's like it literally starts in your home like as simple as a conversation around the dinner table like the amount of conversations I even you know my husband you know he went to an old boys school and in in some ways we have different views on things like we have a lot of the same views but I mean I feel like I can be with him I can be quite good at um opening his mind a little bit Mm. and you know, for me, I just think, well, the change that I make mm-hmm. literally starts with my family. It starts yeah. with picking him. If he says something that I don't think is should be spoken about or, you know, I will pick him up and I'll correct yeah. him and I'll say, darling, like, no, you don't, you don't need to speak like that. That is something that, you know, you are conditioned to think from, you know, years and there's nothing wrong with that, but understand that that's a conditioning and we don't need to think this way anymore. And, you know, with my daughter, like I want her to grow up just so open and loving to, to everyone and, and every possibility. And, and that comes with the books that I choose to read her, the TV show she she watches, the words that I use with her. So, you know, anyone listening, like you can literally create change in your friendship group, in your family, with your parents, you know, have conversations and exactly what you're saying around educating yourself, you know, educate yourself and then talk about these things with your loved ones, you know. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I was just thinking like to anyone that is listening and feels as though maybe they don't have this like a digital audience, which is like such an overrated concept. <laughs> I would actually say to them, I would prefer you not to post something on Instagram because you think that's what you should post. And I would rather you actually have the conversations at the dinner table. You pull up your uncle when he's making a racist mm-hmm. comment. You teach your daughters and and, and sons and children about equality, you know, and um, the gender spectrum and whatever it might be. You know what, like, here's a perfect example. I have a six-year-old niece and in our culture it's very common, in fact, I would say it's just a given, that ethnic people speak pretty candidly and transparently about weight. Whenever anyone puts weight on or loses weight, it's gossip, it's dinner table conversation, it's not even gossip. You walk into a a wedding and your auntie will say, Denny, you've put weight on, like just straight up, point blank. <laughs> so words like fat are really commonly used in our community. And I always pull up anyone who says that word in front of my niece because I'm like, she's six years old. She does not need to hear that word used in a, used in a negative way. Why? Yeah. You know? Um, and then I think about, okay, how can we encourage her to be more body positive? What things can she see? So I'll jump on YouTube. I'm like, you need to see Lizzo. You need to see a big woman embracing her body for no matter what size it is. You need to be looking at Beyonce. You need to be looking at this person. And we watch these videos and she's like, oh, my God, Jenny, these people are amazing. And Mm -hmm. suddenly, you know, she has a picture in her mind that actually she can look however she looks and she's still beautiful, you know? That resonated so much because my nan... God bless her. She's so beautiful, but she's 97 and she says exactly what she thinks. And fat is a word that she uses 
all of the time and exactly like you're describing with your family um, and you know from her it's not coming from a harmful place at all but she'll be the first to say oh my goodness so-and-so is so fat at the moment and Mm. so when I had my daughter I I said to my husband like I remember saying it in the hospital room the word fat is banned like it's not allowed to be used and it's funny now even trying to correct my nan I'm like nan we don't need to use that word and and she looks at me like well how else am I meant to meant to describe it and I'm like Oh, but it just shows, I think one thing that I love in that is that it shows how far we've actually come, you know, in time to think that, you know, she's only between her, then my parents' generation, our generation, like to think that we're already having that change and I, I don't use that word and my, and my daughter hopefully will never use that word in a negative way. Yeah. Um, that gives me so much hope and I, and yeah. I love that, you know, we are we are becoming so much more conscious as a society in a world. Um, I think that's the key. Yeah, definitely. Now, I would really love to talk to you a little bit. I know on your social media channels, you really talk openly about your journey to identifying non-binary. Yeah. And, you know, you have kind of said that it's it's the, given you the freedom to live your truth. And mm. in one particular post, you actually wrote that I have nothing to hide. This is not a costume. This is who I am. And that literally gave me goosebumps reading it. I'd love to just know how did you first come to learn and resonate with living authentically between the gender binaries of man and woman? Ever since I was four, I knew I was gay, but I knew that I wasn't a boy or a girl from as early as three. Like I remember, yes, I remember feeling so displaced in the community that I lived in. Like when I looked at the men in the community, I didn't resonate with them. When I looked at the women in my community, I resonated so deeply with them, but I didn't want to be them or look yeah, like okay. them. And I, and I had a period of time um, where I would sometimes think like, am I a girl? Should I be a girl? Like it definitely that, that those thoughts did cross my mind because of the way that any mask presenting person who adopts anything remotely feminine is painted in the media as this like cross-dressing tranny, like, you know, these words that were used a lot in the nineties. I always had a really negative connotation to that. So Mm -hmm. I just ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. So it wasn't until I reckon five years ago, I was working at Cosmo. We were working on a same-sex marriage campaign and we were working with some queer talent and queer creators. And this queer person emailed me and in their email signature, it had they, them in their signature. And I was like, oh, what's that? And then shortly after I started watching a TV show called Younger and Nico Tortorella, who's the main actor in that show is um, non-binary. So I was like, oh, okay. There's that they, them thing again. But again, I sort of just like ignored it. And then Mm. there was a sequence of events that would lead me to where I am now which went as follows. So Sam Smith came out as non-binary. They were interviewed and everything that they said in their interview, I felt. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. Then they released a music video to this song, How Do You Sleep? And when I watched that music video, I I finally saw me, like my authentic self, in another human. And I was like, wow, okay. Wow. And then shortly after that, Courtney Act came out as gender fluid and – she uses she pronouns when she's Courtney. So she did this special for the um, ABC, I think it's called Australian Story, all about her gender journey. And I watched it with my dad and I cried. And my dad actually said to me, Denny, she's like you. And he didn't even know, like I didn't, like nothing, right? So maybe three weeks before the uh, Courtney Act thing, I went to an event and met a non-binary person, two non-binary people actually, but there was one that I kind of gravitated towards. And they just changed my life because they suddenly were right in front of me speaking their truth, their truth aligned with mine and I couldn't ignore it anymore. And it's often until the world literally holds a mirror up against you Mm. in the form of another human that you don't really realize what your truth is until it's like literally in front of you speaking to you. So that person became instrumental in my coming out journey. We exchanged numbers and I just said to them after the event, do would you mind if I called you this week? And I called them and I said, you know, I've been feeling this way for quite a long time, but it's definitely something that I've been thinking about a lot more. I just need some advice. And they were amazing. They gave me so much advice. So over about a three month period, 
by this time we had now gone into the first global lockdown and mm-hmm. um, I started to just do like a whole lot of research, a whole lot of research. And then I did something that I've done only once ever before where I surrendered this decision to the universe and this kind of, not even decision, I, I surrendered the feeling to the universe. Mm-hmm. I was like, universe, this is what's up. This is what I'm feeling. If these feelings are the truth as I believe them to be, I need you to show me this sign. And I chose this very specific sign. And within 12 hours, that sign just started popping up fucking everywhere. And I was like, right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then after that, I came out to my parents in um, in lockdown shortly after that. I came out to my friends first. I came out to about five friends first. And then I came out to my parents. So, when I say lockdown changed my life, like it wow. changed my life in so many ways, yeah. That just gave me goosebumps when you said mm. about the sign because mm. you were obviously so tapped in at that point as well with the work so that you were doing in. with Elise so and just like all of these constant messages you're getting from the universe of these mm. people being presented to you that just yeah. resonates so deeply. Like that literally gives me goosebumps and that just is the power of the work that you had been doing to leading up to that moment, you know? Yeah, it's only ever happened to me once before. My, my girlfriend, who's also like a spiritual coach, taught me about surrendering and maybe two years before coming out as non-binary, actually almost exactly two years, I was in a really, really horrible relationship. Oh, I shouldn't say horrible the end of our relationship was horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. the relationship was very layered, um, but it was really abusive to be completely transparent with you. And it got to a place where if I stayed in that relationship, it probably would have killed me. And there was a moment where I was sitting in my boyfriend at the time's backyard and I just looked up and I said, okay, I need a sign universe. Like I, I'm going to just surrender this to you. And an hour later I got my sign and then I broke up with him. So surrendering is incredibly powerful if you are tapped in. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because I think, you know, we do hear that word a lot. I guess, Mm. you know, in a lot of ways it's almost becoming another buzzword. Like I hear it a lot. And I I think unless you really – exactly what you said, you need to be doing the work and you need to be connected for the surrender to truly work because you're open enough then to seeing those signs and to be – I guess, to take on board what the universe is delivering to you, you know, like your awareness to all of the the people and, you know, the Australian story, all of that, like your awareness to all of that. Mm. If you weren't tapped in, it probably would have been so easy for you to kind of miss, miss those signs. What do you wish people knew or maybe even understood when Mm. it does come to gender identity and in particular non-binary? I think we've come to a place now where we really, really understand that sexuality is such a spectrum. I feel Mm -hmm. like we've never lived in a more fluid time. I've never seen more men explore with Mm -hmm. their sexualities. I've never seen more women feel more free to be able to step into their authentic sexualities. I feel like the community of pansexual people, for example, has just exploded in Mm -hmm. such a beautiful way. And I think we're really making some steps. I mean, we've still got so much to go, but from what I see, the things I see on TikTok, for example, kids all over the world who are just like, could not give a fuck about who you date, who you sleep with, who you marry, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We need to start adapting those same principles to gender because Mm -hmm. gender is a spectrum and always has been. And historically, the gender spectrum has always been one that lives beyond the binary. The non-binary experience dates as far back as Indigenous cultures, you know, um, Native American cultures, uh, many, many Islander cultures, you know, Fijian, Samoan, Filipino. Like there is so many that within their, in their Indigenous peoples have celebrated non-binary people, have put non-binary people almost on a pedestal as these divine beings that are more powerful than the average person. Mm. And then over time, because of colonization, the gender spectrum became incredibly binary because that's what fits in with a white Christian patriarchal system of beliefs and way of living. If a man and woman can't be a man and woman, then why would they get married? Why would they have children? It doesn't work in Christianity. It doesn't work for colonization. It just doesn't work. So if you do the work and you do the research before colonization, 
Africa, like Egypt, sorry, Egypt is a country in Africa, all these places all over the world, they were celebrating these genderqueer people, these third spirit people, two spirit people, these, they used to call them like people who have like a third eye or, you know, they were <laughs> like gods. Mm. And then suddenly the white man came in and said, well, this doesn't fit in with our world. This doesn't fit in with our desire to procreate and, you know, have a world that is a capitalist society. So we need to eradicate these people. We need to invalidate their identities. And that's not a very commonly known thing. So, Mm. you know, I just wish that people would understand that this is not some woke millennial movement because I can't decide what gender I want to be today. Mm -hmm. That is not the case. And also, if that was the case, what right do you have to judge someone else for the Mm -hmm. way that they identify? Mm -hmm. You have no right. It's your life. My life is my life. Their life is their life. We should all be able to harmoniously exist. People feel so pressed over someone else's pronouns. Yeah. It boggles Mm. my mind, Mm. but I understand it. I understand it. But it, it sometimes really boggles my mind because I'm not trying to invalidate your existence. I'm not trying to erase your gender. That's another misconception is that non-binary people just want the world to be genderless. That's not the case. I celebrate your gender. I celebrate mm. your cis identity. I would just also like a seat at the table. Yes. I saw you speak at the Geelong Women's in Business event. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, a great event. It was. And one of the first things you said is – Thank you so much for having me here as, Mm. you know, a female event. Yeah. And in that moment, I just was like, I had never thought about the way that you would feel coming Mm. into that as a female Mm -hmm. event. Mm. And you shone so bright. Like you definitely had a seat at, at that table on the main stage and it was amazing to see. But yeah, it just, it really made me think a lot after that, I think about how, we show up in, you know, how we do show up in this world and how there is, you know, these exclusive, I guess, clubs or things. And it's like, you just want to live authentically the way that you feel. And we should all be entitled to that. You just touched on something really specific and something that I've been experiencing a lot in the last 24 hours, annoyingly, but it's very normal. And I just need to start getting used to it more, but there is a whole movement of feminism and it's, It's called trans-exclusionary feminism. Mm -hmm. It's feminism that is completely exclusionary of the trans community, both trans women and non-binary people. Mm -hmm. You can't be a feminist and not support trans people. Like the two have to exist together because we're stronger together. So that's why I was so grateful to be at that event because often we have these incredible events that empower women, you know, like there's like business chicks, there's a whole bunch of them. And they're amazing. And I always, I am the biggest like cheerleader of women. I always have been. I always will be. Women need those spaces. They deserve those spaces. They've always deserved those spaces. But it's really beautiful to see, you know, a smaller organization like GWB make a space like that inclusive to a trans person because it's not very common. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's what made me really think about it because, you know, seeing you on that stage, it was exactly mm. where you were meant to be and your story, oh, you know, and your journey and your messages are so aligned with what every, you know, woman in that room needed to hear. And so, yeah, it really made me think a lot about, you know, these different movements and the way that we celebrate certain things. And yeah, it needs to be more inclusive on, on, on every level. Yeah. yeah. Denny, I'd love to know if there is a quote that you live by. I love quotes, God. <laughs> I mean, there are many. One that always rings to me is that, so when I was living in Sydney, my editor at the time, Bronwyn, um, was my boss during like one of my most major breakups. And it was, was like, it was more like a divorce actually. And she took me out for dinner one night and she said to me, Denny, it will all be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. I think Mm -hmm. it might actually be a John Lennon quote. I'm not quite sure who came up with that quote, but it's quite a a famous one. I think of that a lot because life can seem so daunting and so scary at so many various points in our life, whether you're making some big grand change in your life, breakups, you know, divorces, coming out, changing your job, moving country, whatever it might be. 
And you just think like when right now going through this fucking global panini mm. press, like will this ever change? Will this ever change? It will be okay. We're just not at the end yet. We're not yeah. there yet, you know? We're in so the that's when I th- of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I think about a lot. And then weirdly, the lyrics to Firework by Katy Perry are lyrics that are so, like I resonate with on such a deep level. And actually the lyrics from that song were my surrender signal for breaking up with my boyfriend at the time. Um, She has this lyric where she says, do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind wanting to start again? And a a plastic bag drifting in the wind was my sign. And they're actually much less common than you think. Um, But, you know, the the crux of that song is like, you're a fucking firework, baby, and you're going to shine. And so many times when I'm feeling down, I'm like, baby, you're a firework. It's all good. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Denny, you are incredible. I've met a lot of people now, especially since being in Geelong or working in Geelong, and every single person that knows you literally could not speak more highly of another person. And they always just say how incredible and warm and true you are and you truly are. And so I just thank you so much for joining me today. I've absolutely oh, adored every this moment of this. has been gorgeous. Thank you for having me. This has been so lovely. And I'm. it's really nice to have another super like-minded person in in town. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lovely community to be a part of. Really yeah, is. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. So thank you so much for your time. I know my, my community will get so much out of this chat. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.